This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Moded Studios Embroidered patches and apparel go to modedstudios.com and check out all the latest and greatest in patches and apparel some of my favorite patches are of course snow white smoking out of a poison apple embroidered patch dope uh we got bernie sanders i am once again asking 2020 presidential campaign meme embroidered patch we got let's see oh oh yeah Cat from Lady Yelling at Cat Meme, Smudge the Cat and Taylor Armstrong, Kyle Richards, Embroidered Patch. We got we got Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian. Go to modestudios.com, M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com, and check out what they got going on. They're always updating their website, and they do custom work. Modedstudios.com. Go out and get yourself some. Now on with the show. They brought in a woman who was at least six or seven hundred pounds. She was sitting on a pallet. She had a 60-pound bag of manure, and she was licking an oversized lollipop. They brought her in on the forklift, on a forklift, laid her down, and they said, you know, have at it. Me being a professional, I turned to him and I said, no problem. I need my sunglasses, a blunt, and a half of Viagra. And I fucked every fold she had. I spent more time in the folds of her body than I did in her vagina. How many... Girls, have you um, been with? 10,000 plus. Plus what? I mean, I'll I, I just do that plus more. I've done orgies, I've done gangbangs, I've been threesomes, foursomes. I've had like six, seven, eight, ten girls in me. So, what you doing here? Just networking like I always do every year. And what do you do for work? Right now, I actually work for the Andrew Yang campaign. Yang Yang! Google Andrew Yang or look him up on YouTube. Andrew Yang, our next president of the United States. He wants to give everybody $1,000 a month. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is so funny. Uh, all gas, no brakes. That that comes to us. Care of all gas, no brakes show on Instagram, which you can find at all brakes. Oh wait, all I'm so sorry. All gas, no brakes show on Instagram. So go check them out. I also want to thank Jason uh tyler black for sending that in because that was uh amazing and uh it was and andrew yang is no longer in the presidential race for the democrats so uh very timely as well for me to play this so um uh, it was very funny because my wife was a huge andrew yang fan and and supporter and uh i sent this to her and she didn't think it was as funny as i thought it was Anyways, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Speak English Good podcast. Boy, do we have a show for you today. Mr. Ryan Rubin of the Folken Rollers. Ryan is an artist out of Angola, Indiana, and uh, we had a great time chatting it up. Uh, I think this happened last Saturday. It was a Saturday evening. I didn't have shit going on. I was just doing some work here at the house. Uh, and by work, probably that meant watching The Outsider on HBO. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sometimes my brain gets overwhelmed and I just need to watch TV. It's like, it just happens. And plus, it's nice to watch TV with your family. Why am I defending myself for watching TV? Who gives a shit if I watch TV? 
Anyways, uh, Ryan, the conversation we had with Ryan is coming up shortly. But first, go to RaidaMystique.com and check out the latest single, Lyrical Drive-By. This is a collaboration between me and Raina and Conscious and the Co-op. Uh, we we love that band. That's where me and my wife met. And so this song is actually a very old and unreleased song. And uh, we're bringing it to the spotlight now. So go to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com and check out uh, the latest single, Lyrical Drive-By. Also, uh, you can click on the Experience tab and check out where me and my lovely wife will be playing around the Toledo region that's ohio uh that's that's the swing state if if uh if, if you're wondering <clears throat> if you're in the toledo area this saturday march 7th 2020 my band well not my band but a band that i am a part of green anchor sessions will be playing at the dirty bird at 8 p.m to 11 p.m this saturday feels good to get back in the groove with those guys i always have a good time they're like my pals and like we all get to come together on stage and i'm not saying we're up there circle jerking i'm just saying that it's a good time because uh we we you know we're we're having a good time playing together because we get to really unleash uh so come check it out uh i got a lot more gigs coming up so um i'm trying to update my website which is we speak english you can check that out uh we're gonna be updating and expanding upon it it's going to be we speak english good media um because i just have too much shit that i'm involved with that is requiring me to give them names and logos so now i have to do that it's just another fucking thing for me to do. It's gr- It's a good thing, right? It's good that I'm getting this much attention and work that I need to expand upon it. But the other side is that I'm lazy and too cheap to create a whole new website and figure out a whole new name. You know, like, We Speak English Good came so naturally because it was a stupid joke that I thought was funny, which isn't. Uh... <laughs> But it does make librarians laugh. So, um, just so you know, someone, somebody out there gets my stupid fucking joke. Anyways, you can write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave a review. Oh, yeah, hold on. What's the thing? It, it's like, subscribe, review. So, like us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, at we speak English good. Uh, like, subscribe, review. So, subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm putting all my tutorial videos. By the way, I got tutorial videos on IG if you want to check that out. My, my IG is like the podcast content dumping ground and tutorials and silly shit so i'm putting all those videos on youtube so you can go and scrub through the tutorials and they're just simple to intermediate uh licks it's quick videos they're like less than a minute because they mostly go on ig and then i post them on to youtube so uh yeah go check those out and uh, again at we speak english good is going to have all this shit it's gonna have like the videos i've done for different companies i got this grand plan I, like i want to have a list of books that i like I, I, that's an interesting thing for me i don't know so uh a lot coming to we speak english good it's just i have to wait until my wife gets done 
with this run at the Purple Rose up in Chelsea because it takes up a lot of her time. And my wife is my web designer, which I got to give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Raina Mystique, who is definitely an integral part of this show. So when I'm saying we here at We Speak English, um, I'm referring to mostly me and my wife and and. And, and there are a few other people that help on this, but it's mostly just me and my wife that do this. Uh, so uh, big shout out to that lovely human being. Uh, so and you can also leave a review on iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, yeah, iTunes, I guess. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. Leave us a five star if you like. Someone left us a two star. I thought that was great. You know, sometimes people don't like what I say. That's fine. I can't expect everyone to like what comes out of my stupid ass mouth. I say a lot of dumb shit, sometimes in jest, sometimes in earnest. And, uh, you know, it's not always going to rub you the right way. So if you don't like us, give us a one or two star. If you like us, give us a five star. Very much appreciated. Um, I think that's it for now. What else do we got? What else? We, you can write the show. You knew that. Um, our, our sponsor, Moded Studios. Uh, our guest, Ryan Rubin. Um, I think that's it. I think I think we need to just get to the conversation I had with Ryan Rubin. So, everyone, please put your hands together for the beautiful and talented Ryan Rubin. I was like, Mike, that's not you, is it? And she's like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. No, senor. Um, sorry about that, man. I um, I don't know what the fuck happened. It, it, I, I saw the number I sent you. It's like not even close. Well, it is. I guess it's close. But it's, it's, yeah, it's just one digit. It's one digit. And it's one just so up. stupid. It's like, <laughs> uh, anyway. You were actually like 90%. You were at 90%. I'm at 90%. You need to hear me louder. No, your number was 90% correct. Oh, no. Which is like an A (laughs) minus. Dude, (laughs) this is how this conversation is going to go, it seems. I'm just going to sit here and be confused. And who am I even fucking talking to right now? Is is this Jesus? This is is Ruben Ryan. Ruben, thank you so much for for calling in, man. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, taking your time out your Saturday evening. Uh, What the fuck were you just doing? Uh, I just prepared a fairly nutritious dinner for my family. We were having some chicken and sweet potatoes this evening. Oh, shit. That's nice, man. That sounds real nice. Chicken and sweet potatoes. Yeah, my wife is supposed to be uh, bringing dinner home, so we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I, I She was actually upset at me because I because <laughs> I wouldn't give her, like, the answer she was looking for. Like, she was just like, well, just tell me what you want to eat. And I'm just, it's the old argument, you know, the old, the age-old uh-huh. argument where it's like, what do you want? I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. Well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and I just bowed out. It was like, well, I gotta go. Uh, just pick whatever up. And she's just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> How dare I you? I know. And I bailed. You stuck her with the decision. 
it's what happens, you know, like it's just what happens sometimes when I, I mean, sometimes I just can't make decisions. And to be fair, right now I have like my niece, uh, my nieces, I should say, one's like three months old and the other one's like two or three or something. And and plus mm-hmm. my son, so it's like fucking chaos out there right now. Like it, it, it my. Well, and you're, you're also trying to you're also trying to think what they would eat too, right? Is that part of your calculus? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like what are these kids gonna eat? And like we couldn't get this. Like one of the, one of the little girls is like, I'm not no, I'm not gonna eat that. Not gonna eat that. Not gonna eat that. Mm-hmm. Like she just wants like bread and butter. <laughs> like that's yeah. She just wants carbs and cream, which, you know, I, yeah, I can understand I most women like carbs and cream. Um, not trying to pigeonhole women out there. You know, you might yeah, not no like comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so, Ruben, man, um, thank you so much again. Thank you again for coming on. Um, <clears throat> tell me, do you have a lineage of music in your family at all? Like, uh, do, you well, come from you know, a, do you come from a musical family or... Yeah, in its way. I mean, my uh, my mom sings in choirs, and she's like a Girl Scout song reader. And uh, my dad had a nice voice, and he would sing, but he wasn't particularly a songwriter. Neither of my folks were particularly songwriters, but I mean, my my mom's still alive, by the way. Hi, mom, if you're listening. But yeah, <laughs> Hi, so I mean, I was surrounded by a lot of music, but as far as uh, playing instruments, my mother does play piano, but. So, yeah, I guess that I inherited the uh, interest, but then I've just, you know, spent a little time in in different directions with it than they did. Yeah. Like, do, do there, did they, is there anywhere like further than your parents? Is there like uh, any kind of lineage down the line that you are aware of? Oh, uh, as far as like the older generations, you know, I haven't really heard of anything like that. I mean, uh, Nope, I'm sure that music was part of their lives, but I, my my story doesn't go very deep as far as those roots are concerned. Yeah, you got you you're just not your family's not close to their family or something. Well, I'm. Oh, you mean like mother versus fathers? No, no. Well, like, I was just curious, you know, because most of the time musicians have like somewhere down the, even if it wasn't their direct parents like maybe your parents mm-hmm. parents had um some kind of music mm-hmm. you know it's just interesting to know like where it comes from but it just doesn't seem like that's mm-hmm. wasn't you know that just wasn't that's just not present in your life like you don't really know much about your family's lineage um not as far as music's concerned oh it's I all mean, good you know. That, my uncle however now that you bring it up you know you're like uh jarring the little cobwebs out of there that's what i'm here for that's what i'm here for right yeah yeah <laughs> so my uh my uncle mac apparently was a musician he played piano in like the early 50s and um i'm not sure if he sang or not but he was into like early rock and roll and that so i don't know i suppose that there's some flowing from my maternal side but that's all i've really heard about no yeah right on so when did you start uh finding interest in writing i mean because you're also a songwriter and you write lyrics and and uh and music to accompany those lyrics so i mean when did you start writing um anything when did you start writing poetry first like what what kind of presented itself to you at first yeah well i guess uh i probably started writing my first songs when i was like uh 12 or 13 um and I was in like a pretty bad alternative rock 
cover band, you know. <laughs> oh, wait, mean, wait, wait. It was a we bad were. alternative rock cover band. <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> I mean, were you in one? <laughs> no, I was in a really bad punk band, but we were, uh, yeah. but it was uh, mostly originals. <laughs> we did one yeah. cover, but, but I, I like All that right, it was well, like a bad alternative cover band. That's, you know what? You, I'm well, not. Yeah. I'm not making fun of you or anything. I mean, all of our first bands suck or whatever, you know. So it's not like, you know, you know. Well, we were 14. We were exactly. Just <laughs> exactly. We're t- and I was children. Yeah. I was fortunate because uh, I didn't play the instrument because I was the lead singer, so I could just you know focus on that medium. But anyway, so I started off playing with that band, and I started writing some songs back then, and uh, you know they were pretty. Uh, bad, you know. As you can imagine <laughs> uh, the band was the band was called Caffeine. And, uh, <laughs> I love it. So That's the, great. The, the, uh, <laughs> you know, we played like the local talent shows and at the park and birthday parties and stuff like that. And uh, the one original I remember that we recorded was called Adrenaline. So I saw some people give me a hard time, like make requests for it because it was just, like awful wannabe Limp Bizkit kind of. At any rate, as the years progressed, my taste in music, you know, developed. And so the kind of music I was writing did too, I'd like to think. Uh, well, I hope so. I, I would hope, yeah. I'd hope that you didn't stay at your 14-year-old writing level. No, that was my peak, man. <laughs> no, oh, I peaked when I was, was 14. <laughs> I was done, yeah. son. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what was your high school experience like? Like, were, were you a popular kid? Were you the, were you the asshole kid? Like, where, what was your role? Uh, well, I guess uh, in a lot of people's eyes, I was this fucking hippie, but, you know. That's fine with me. I I, um, I I was friends with all kinds of different people, and uh, um, there was one guy in particular you might know named Jason Black. I do. Who, uh, I do know Jason Black. I heard Black. plays in a band, um, Green Acre Sessions, I think they're called. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. He, uh, he pretty much showed me the first course on guitar and turned me on to a lot of uh, different music than I'd been listening to. You know, so I was all into that sort of like, crappy rap rock stuff i mean <laughs> earlier than that i had better influences i grew up listening to like 1950s rock and roll and then my dad got me really into beatles and my mom like uh got me into like good show tunes you know and singer songwriters like billy joel Melton john but then you know going through the uh teenage angst phase is why i gravitated towards whatever was edgy at that time now <laughs> Like corn but, um, and <laughs> sure. Oh, I went to a lot of corn shows, dude. I That's, love yeah, corn. You know, I love corn. You know what? I would just, just not too long ago, like maybe a couple months ago, I was like, I'm gonna listen to Blind. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go put that on right now. I'm just feeling blind Sometimes right now. Grabs, yeah, dude. Yeah, I no, I used to all love day, corn. All day I dream about sex. Yes, Adidas, baby. Yeah, who could go? Uh-huh. My, I mean, but but for real though, like. <clears throat> the like corn i feel like they brought some kind of they that growling shit i love that and i love fieldy's bass like like the the way yeah. he played you know like those little clicks and shit i was just like always trying to figure out how yeah. the fuck does this son of a bitch get those you know and you know like it was a 
this band who has a very distinct sound and and like so you can talk mm. shit about them all you want now because now you look back yeah. at it it's kind of lame but but i mean that shit was fucking it was innovative it was it was innovative it was groundbreaking yeah. at the time especially at a time when i don't know like what was that like late 90s early 2000s and that was like britney spears and fucking yeah. you know and and, and backstreet, boys. backstreet boys and t- yeah they were like our nemesis you know right that, like the whole like boy band resurgence was like the enemy so <laughs> of course you're gonna listen to stuff like limp biscuit corn rammstein you know rammstein and manson Marilyn manson dude oh man i used to fucking oh, yeah. get down with that shit but I mean, it just fit the time for me, and especially, I mean, because like I, I feel like um, the Midwest is kind of root has very much rooted heavy rock industrial type of thing. I I, I don't know if you feel sure. that too, but like I kind of feel like it comes from just the industry that was born here is like this this mm-hmm. it, it's not rough living, but it's like. Uh, it takes a certain kind of mindset to go to a factory every day and do the same thing every day, every day, yeah. every day. You know what I mean? Or or growing yeah. up in a situation where, like, you know, four to five months out of the year, the, the weather outside is trying to kill you, you know, and freeze you to mm-hmm. death. And so, mm-hmm. like, you you're spend a majority of time indoors just so you can go right. work in a factory indoors. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's this, like, yeah. build-up attention that exists here in the Midwest, especially with the males, um, that just, right. j- just is fed by that heavy... And even in Toledo, some, like, pop... So, uh, there's still, like, a popular screamo... You know, there's bands here. I don't know how popular they are, but, like, I, I know they're doing well beyond Toledo. And, uh, right. you know, there's well, still... cathartic the... for people, and that's what, that's you know, music should be. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for condensing that yeah. into a word. It's a, There's a catharsis sure. to uh, to this whole fucking... Yeah, we have we need to be able to deal with the situation we landed in <laughs> somehow, motherfuckers. Right. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. man, it, it it totally fit, and and corn and Limp Biscuit and, and and you know even Pantera and and then going back sure. even the the I mean just the metal guys and Metallica and all those motherfuckers It's like yeah. that shit resonated so much with me, and I kind of had that same mm-hmm. thing that you did. Like my dad kind of brought me up on these like. I had a good base of music, like like I had like right. swing music, and jazz, and we went record mm-hmm. hunting, and like we dug, and we, you know, we had a real appreciation for music. So I had a good solid foundation. But as soon as teenage mm-hmm. years came by, it was just like fucking, let's let's fucking uh, scream to the top of our fucking lungs. Yeah. So so did right. you when you were in those years of high school and like adolescence and listening to these heavy ass songs and you know music i'm sure and i'm sure your taste went beyond that it wasn't just this but uh where did yeah were you the what the dude that found yourself in trouble a lot or did you stay low-key a lot um no i wasn't no i mean to be like uh i didn't get into that much of the really heavy stuff i was more into the, the uh i don't know just the popular mainstream yeah 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 time, but, but that's like, still was, like aggressive it was still aggressive music and... sure yeah well i mean 
shit looking back on it maybe it's just because it's what felt like uh countercultural at the time you know even though that was on trl just right up there with britney spears well yeah right and so anyways this is more this is like my early teenage years and so obviously it's not maybe it's not obvious to everyone but as i did get older uh more towards 16 17 18 then I was gravitating away from that and, and really actually like rediscovering the music of the late sixties, mm. getting into more, you know, Grateful Dead and Ray Charles and, you know, Janis Joplin and all those types of folks. And, uh, so then as I mentioned, uh, I, I learned guitar from Jason Black and, uh, started writing different kind of material on the piano. And then I started jamming with just a big circle of friends on Wednesday nights at my place. And it'd be like, you know, six dudes playing guitar and like a couple girls that had bongo drums from somewhere. And I'd be on the piano and it was, uh, it was real loose and fun. And, uh, we ended up playing like one gig that I organized before I left town when I was 18. Cause I was like, well, shit, we've been playing for two years. We've got to play a gig, you know? <laughs> so, uh, we got to play a gig. I, I booked out the YMCA. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Organized. <laughs> no, I organized this, some kind of like, yeah. This yeah, is all like in Angola. Yeah, for okay. Angola, Indiana. Yeah. And, and Angola does the, Angola the still have a YMCA? Yeah, I mean, this is a newer addition. Uh, I don't know if they had one back in the day, but this one I'm talking about just got built in like the early 2000s. Well, that's what I'm saying. So like, they, like so they vintage. is it still in business? Is what I'm asking. Yeah, we didn't put them under with our one gig. <laughs> no that's not what i was insinuating but that's amazing <laughs> no no i'm just curious on my own because i'm a, a, a member of the ymca i'm a proud member right. and I, I, I like one of my favorite things to do traveling is go to other cities ymcas and experience what they experience because it's just it's fun and that's i just like the yeah. ymca anyways i was only asking for my own my own benefit because maybe one day i'll find myself in angola and i'll need to go to the you ymca could. yeah man yeah so you might as well yeah you know at, at, so at any rate uh that <laughs> that sort of group we had to have a, we had one gig so we had to have a name right so we called ourselves ripple and I'm pretty sure it's because it's the name of one of the dead covers we were doing. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Why and not? it was fun. And then uh, from there, I guess um, I started writing more, a lot more uh, just solo material and uh, ended up um, going out to college out West and writing more out there. Uh, how did that, how did, how did that YMCA gig turn out by the way? Oh, it was epic, man. Yeah, it was great. I, I mean, I had to have like a front to get the people there, you know, so I, uh, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> I don't, so I organized some sort of like environmental fair or something and, and it wasn't really a front. I was really into environmental stuff too. And so, I mean, part of it for me is like I was getting ready to move out west and I was still like connected to the town through the high school and through this like, uh, student group I was in. And also I had this band I'd been playing with. So I was like, well, we need some sort of like last hurrah with, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I put together an environmental fair that featured live music and like, uh, passing out trees and this other band played, 
these other buddies that used to be in the alternative rap cover band with me, but they had their own little punk band called Minutes from Nowhere. Ooh, hey Ruben, so, um, I, I can yeah. hold on just a second. Are you um, are you like pressing your phone against your cheek or something? Because you're kind of like gradually getting more muffled as we talk. Oh, um, I'll try to avoid that here. I, I, I uh, have removed the phone from my face somewhere. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm not sure if that's what was going on. It's just that we, you've been like slowly getting more muffly. I'm wondering. I was just like, maybe you were pressing it. it whatever. L- let's continue. Anyway, so we'll where'd you go to school at? Yeah. Uh, well, I went. I grew up in Angola, going to like high school here, and then I went out west and uh, did this community college called. South Puget Sound Community College in Olympia. Oh, and nice, then, uh, Washington. Right. So the master plan was to go to Evergreen, which is, uh, for those listeners that might not be familiar, supposedly like the most far left wing, crazy communist hippie college. Oh in shit! The that's that's so of that. Of course, I had to go there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's they. They've been in the news because of like professors and stuff, right? Like there was like professors who were refusing to be too liberal or something i don't know, I don't know. no i've I heard, heard i've that, heard of it wouldn't surprise no me. no i've heard of evergreen because there was uh, professors that were coming out of there who are um was refusing to bend to like i don't know like you know how like college campuses are all like fucking sjw like you know uh social justice warriors and you right. know, like they just super left wing. Uh, what's that one? NAFTA, not NAFTA. Anyways, there was I heard some news from there. Um, and you know what? Yeah. I've been just interrupting you this whole time, so I'm gonna let you talk I'm now. Just, <laughs> like, no, I just feel like I've been just no, like interjecting I mean, was, this whole fucking no, time. That's, that's so you what an interview is. So you went to uh, so you went out west and uh, yeah, and you had a good time. I take it. Yeah, I had a group of friends from around here that had all relocated to Olympia. Nice. And um, I was 18 and ready to go far away. So I was like, well, I'll go my, where my buddies are. So that was great because I was living on my own for the first time, but I also had this network of like hometown buddies. It makes and, all the uh, difference, man. It makes like all the fucking oh, difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't ever really experienced it otherwise. So it's like maybe I took the easier route that me, way. But no, me I neither. don't regret it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah. like, what's the alternative? You go to like run off to New York City by yourself and you live on the streets and f- <laughs> you fucking get asked <laughs> out. It's like that. That doesn't if make sense. What, if, yeah. I mean, to each their own, you know. Of but, course. Of course. Some people don't rate, have choices. Yeah. But but no, because that's the same mm-hmm. way that I was that I did it because I had friends in San Diego. So like I was like, fuck it. I'll go live on their floor for a month until yeah. we can find our own place. And then and then you yeah. have built in network of friends who, and then they have friends who mm-hmm. are now your friends. <laughs> so right. like now it's just you just it's nice. I think that's how it happens all over the world. That's how you end up with diasporas all over the place of different communities. You know, it starts right? With just a little seed for sure, yeah. for sure. But like, I mean, when you're out there on your own, like I, you know, like I, I honestly have no. I had no inclination as a young man to go like I want to go live by myself. I want to go to Austin, Texas by myself and make something of my you know yeah. like I never had that. I was like yeah. always like I want me and my friends to go and like do cool things in other places. It's always right. been that. But right. but and so you could relate. 
so you got out there you got you had friends and you had, so what, what what did you is this, is this where the the drinking and drugging kicked in <laughs> uh well shit i mean uh i wasn't really drinking too heavy just i couldn't afford to because the first thing i learned to like you know at that age were these like new micro breweries which were still like not just super common there was just a few little micro breweries and shit like for a six pack it was like 12 bucks and 2004 dollars which was like half of what i'd make in a day so yeah i didn't drink very much but uh <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh, how you, yeah same way he's like how I you did, afford it i missed i missed uh having four seasons though because where i was in washington it was beautiful and really awesome i'm glad i was there but it was just kind of the rainy season, the slightly less rainy season, and so. <laughs> well, Olympia, Olympia is yeah. um, just like a suburb, kind of 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 Seattle, correct? Or is it more further inland? Um, no, it's it's not a suburb, but it is near. It's like within an hour and a half. Yeah, south. yeah. Well, it's because it, like there's the this capital whole, city actually. Yeah, well, there's this whole chain of cities that sort of lead up to right. Seattle, and yeah, and that's like one. Absolutely. The, yeah. Okay. So you were able to go into the city. Did you, Did you spend a lot of time in the city, or what? Did you mostly stay at Olympia? The city, the city of Olympia. Or are you talking about Seattle? Seattle. I know Olympia is a separate I city. I know it's its own thing. I'm just yeah, saying. yeah. No, yeah. I I went to Seattle a couple times. I. uh I was more into Olympia. It, it was an awesome college time. It was right on the Puget Sound, and you mm-hmm. could see Mount Rainier. And uh, it was only a few hours north of Oregon, and I had people in Oregon, and I loved that state too. So, at any rate, I did come back to Indiana and uh, well, what, moved down to Bloomington. How, how long did you Go stay? Ahead. How long did you stay in Washington? I was. I only lived there for like a year, and then um, I did this. Uh, sustainable living skills internship in Oregon for a summer before I came back. And that was really awesome. And then, but, and so I was writing songs all along the line out there too, you know, and yeah, it sort yeah. of accumulated eventually. And I started recording a little later. Were you, were you playing music as well while you were out West? Yeah, I've, I was ever since, uh, I've just always been playing music, I guess. I started off singing in that band, but then once I started writing my own stuff, I would just kind of gravitate towards other people that played and sing what I had and sing other people's stuff. And so it's just, it hasn't really stopped since I started. Right on, right on. So you, you took it with you. you t- it, it, sometimes people abandon it for a minute and then come back. But what what, what yeah. initially, what, what made you want to come back to Indiana? Well, as I was saying, I, I just, well, I, I did want to be closer back, closer to my family again, but uh, I missed having four seasons. It just, yeah. kind of, I felt kind of pulled back to like wanting to have a proper spring, summer, fall and winter. And uh, I was wanting to go to college and uh, college was going to be cheaper as like a resident in Indiana. And so I ended up uh, coming back and going to a community school near where I grew up. And then I transferred down to Bloomington, Indiana, which has a really good music scene and ended up uh, being in a band down there with a gal. She played banjo and I played guitar and piano and we recorded two albums together as Ruben and Vanessa. And uh, yeah, I was just writing a lot in those years and going to school and working too. But What were you studying? It, yeah. 
I studied environmental studies and science. Um, so you were all about you, you're all about the environment and stuff. Yeah, that's been that's been my jam for a long time. It, it's uh, it's been always my thing to sort of find time to both you know learn about, be immersed in nature, and also help preserve it, but also make time for music. I don't know. Did you do like have you done activism within the environmental field? Yeah, well, most of what my focus was in college was based around uh sustainable food. So uh I helped start this like student garden so that we could teach folks how to grow their own food. And um a lot of the interest in that stemmed from me learning about, you know, peak oil and resource issues and uh really how much energy goes into the food that we consume especially in countries like america and so teaching other people how to grow their own with you know low carbon footprint and all that kind of became my focus that's dope and 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 so was this now was this in bloomington that you started really getting into it and doing the gardening and stuff yeah, yeah. As I mentioned, I did this internship in Oregon first, right. and the component of that was organic agriculture. But ah, then, I see. When That's I was so, in Bloom, yeah. So part of that, sort part of coming back was because your internship was up. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, that yeah, that was kind of the flow because I was wanting to go back to right, college, and you want to go to school. To You're, to okay, I, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I miss that. <laughs> somewhere along the way. No, line. that's all good. It's the first time I've told you my story, yeah. Right on. So so you're down in Bloomington doing some gardening, playing with Vanessa, rocking and rolling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that was great. Um, the first album we did was called Martha's Mix because um, our part-time job was helping take care of this elderly woman that um, needed some help to stay in her house and not have to be in a nursing home. And uh, she she had, like, Alzheimer's and dementia pretty bad, you know. Uh, so, like, communicating with her was a lot of improvisation, really, I would say. <laughs> but she was, like, a, you know, she, she was a warm, caring person. And uh, I don't know. I appreciated her being in my life. It was an honor to help take care of her. But there was a piano next to her bed. And so I would end up, you know, playing it. And she'd let me know when she liked it and when she didn't, you know. But. I ended up writing a lot of songs on that piano, and then Vanessa and I recorded them. So uh, Martha passed away, but we named it Martha's Mix in her honor. Oh, and then amazing. after that, we did sort of we did sort of a more acoustic guitar banjo based album. We called that one Honey for the Tea. And we started playing out just um, I don't know pizza joints and little bars around the Bloomington area and. There's a real good contra scene down in Bloomington, contra dancing. So there was an old-time music sort of network that we would become sort of a little sideshow of because our stuff was more um, recent, I guess. But I don't know. It was kind of part of our scene. So I don't know. It was a, it was a great couple of years. It was, a, it was fun while it lasted. But I did come back up to northern Indiana after college. And proceeded to write just a whole lot more music, and I kept going back down to Bloomington to record it over the years. And um, yeah, I, I I was just I had this process for about ten years where I would just uh, 
write about 15 or 20 songs, practice the shit out of them, and then go to the studio and record them live just so that I could get it done cheaply. <laughs> and then I would like distribute my my uh, album all over the place and, you know, mostly just like my people, you know, hand them a copy of it and then go back to writing a bunch more songs. And eventually I started getting gigs back to my hometown where I'd moved back to, but it took a while to develop the market because there's not really like a, not a booming singer songwriter, acoustic music <laughs> scene where I live, yeah. but it's developed. I think some, since I've been back I'm not taking all the credit, but you know, it's like, uh, I, I've also met the people that were out there. I just didn't know them yet. You know? Right. So you in Bloomington, uh, how far did you take the Ruben and Vanessa? Were you guys touring or were you guys just staying local? And It, no, it was local. And uh, we were just starting to break out of that show. We, our last gig was actually playing this pretty sweet grassroots festival in Bean Blossom, which is uh, another, shoot, 45 minutes away from Bloomington. So it's like we were just starting to get out of town. But Vanessa and I were a couple. And uh, when we parted ways as a couple, the band also uh, unfortunately ceased to be a going concern. I because you know I moved away first. I actually first because I graduated college, I went back out west. You know, of course, because I had to celebrate somehow. <laughs> so I came. I went back out to California and uh, Oregon and Washington. Visited all my people, and there was also a gal out there that i was sweet on at the time that i was definitely writing songs about but i ended up back in indiana back in northern indiana after that so what was the dynamic like because i write with my wife and i perform with my wife and i know <clears throat> it took me a long time um to to separate to separate the relationship from like a musical relationship so like the intimate relationship from the musical professional relationship yeah maybe that's why we broke up i don't <laughs> because i could, because we couldn't figure out how to divide it and to be honest like to fast forward a bit uh i was also in a band with my like later on down the road um I met somebody that I ended up being in a band with and getting married to, and we now have a child together and she and I were in a band together and, uh, she and I are no longer together. So I guess I'm just like laying the groundwork, like answering the question in one instance. I don't know. As I said, maybe that's why this is, this other one didn't work out. <laughs> maybe Did, it's like too good of a question for me because I, I, I don't have a good answer yet. Well, I, I guess you don't. I guess you don't need. I mean, because I mean, I guess you were, you did kind of answer it, right? Like you, <laughs> you didn't handle it well. It seems like it didn't end well, up well. I'm, well, I, I don't know. That's kind of me just fixating on the music realm of it, though, which isn't. You know, each of those relationships had its own story, and it wasn't because of. It's definitely not because we were getting fucking rich and famous or yeah. something like that. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, in both both situations were real different, but uh, also in both situations, both of those ladies, uh, Vanessa and Allie, both write their own music, and so it wasn't so much of like a songwriting. And I don't know. 
I don't know. They're both long stories. <laughs> well, I, no, I understand. And, and, you know, I'm not asking for intimate details. I was just asking because it's always curious. I'm always curious when people are um, in a, you know, in an intimate relationship and also in this other intimate relationship that involves, right. you know, creativity and all this other shit. Um, right. I, it's just interesting to me because of my own struggles with it but i mean I've, yeah. I've, I've learned i've i've learned to um i've learned to just let it ha- let it whatever happen happen because at the end of the day it's her name and i'm just a background player right. i mean in your situation yeah. like you're a face too you're a face and a voice of the band as well so like me i don't sing uh-huh. so like it's just me playing right. guitar and my wife just making fun of me for you know a couple hours so it's like mm-hmm. that's the, but you know, like it was, it was tough for us because I, I would conflate, you know, our personal relationship with this professional relationship, and then especially in front yeah. of like a band when we would hire a band, uh-huh. you know, like I'm sitting here acting like a fucking dickhead husband, and really I should just be like, oh yeah, yeah, you're the boss because it's your name. I had to really let go sure. of thinking that I was the boss. <laughs> And uh, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough for me. It was tough for me to do that. But but I see where it is now. You know, like I see that I was just being an egotistical cunt. So <laughs> that's sure. my problem. Well, I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people do play music with their partners or spouses out there. And it's probably a slightly different story in each of course. situation. You know, of course. definitely. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't know that I'm I, equipped. Well, no, I understand, and and we don't have to like go into anything that you know you're not want to even talk about. But it's just, it, like I said, it's just general curiosity for me how those dynamics work. Because yeah. I've talked to like people who've uh, been in bands with their sister, and you know that's a totally different dynamic it, you're throwing in there now. Oh and yeah, and it's just like. You know, you can fight like a brother and sister can fight, and then fight like a bandmate can fight, and then, uh, like honestly, when I asked them how the dynamic worked, he was just sort of like he kind of clammed up. He was just like, "Well, I don't know. It can be. I don't know. Next question. <laughs> like, yeah. Next question. So, that's so, I, right now. and that's the thing. And that's the thing. It's like fucking being in a band and being in a relationship. They're kind of similar, and and it's easy to conflate yeah. those things because they are like intimate relationships. Uh, I mean, you're fucking well, definitely in the in the in the case of uh, Vanessa, the gal that I played with in Bloomington. Like, I was like 22, you know, and so I didn't particularly think I was going to make it, but I had a bunch of fucking energy to put into it. Yeah, so yeah, totally. I know that like, I wanted, I wanted to rehearse with her, like at least a couple hours every day, you know, and mm-hmm. I was running around making gigs and writing a lot of music. And so I don't know, I think definitely it caused some issues that she wasn't necessarily, um, being as, I don't know, being as militant as I was about it because, right. you know, we're different people and we had different just kind of inspirations at that moment. And it did, it, 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 uh, it didn't help the relationship so much, but at the same time, like, I don't look back on it with any regret or anything. And she and I are still friends and we actually just played a reunion show together Aww, a couple months really ago. Nice. We hadn't seen each other and we hadn't seen each other in 10 years and she flew up. And, and so 
as I say, like no regrets and sort of our musical relationship was what it was maybe in part because it wasn't going to just keep going and going and going. So as I said, I don't think that there's like a, there can be any sort of general rule of thumb about that kind of thing because it's all no. about who the people are. No, you know? it, it, yeah, you're right. I know it's subjective. It ha- it's case to case, it's like whatever. Right. Sometimes it's perfect. It's like brothers. Like sometimes brothers who are like in a band, and they're all just like, yeah. "Oh, we love each other. We're great." Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we could get a little tense, but we're great. We love each. Other. <laughs> and then it's like bands right. like. Uh, have you ever seen uh, some kind of monster? The Metallica uh, documentary. No. It is. Good. The most unintentionally funny fucking uh, documentary ever. It's like, yeah, it's like these grown men acting like babies, <laughs> crying. You are Metallica. Yeah, like James Hetfield's like, you know, I have to go to AA. You can't record when I go to AA. What the fuck, bro? Uh, and he's like, and then fucking, uh, and then Lars is all like, I don't know, bro. That guitar line sounds kind of stock, and then you just see like James Hetfield just like face turn red, just want to burn. Like it's just, it's so fucking funny, and these little baby yeah. fucking rock stars are just acting like yeah. children. And it's like, it yeah. it just shows you know like the dynamic of relationships of band relationships. It's just, just it's just fucking it varies. It's just like it's just whatever yeah. whoever can make it and push through the mm-hmm. bullshit with each other. And just keep sure. trucking, but fuck that sometimes. Anyway, so you ended up but back... But it's also for them, Please. like... Well, never mind. We're not going to talk about Metallica. Oh, no, we gonna, can talk about Metallica. I was going to story that... No, we don't... We really don't need to, but, you know, I was... <laughs> I my really mom, don't. My mom took me to see him. <laughs> hey, Metallica's the shit, though. I like some of their shit. Their old shit's bomb. Yeah. But we are going to... So just to bridge sort of conversation we were having about... Uh, playing music with your romantic other like just prior to the band that i'm in now i was in a group for about three or four years called the thrift mix and uh my wife sang and played guitar and i played some guitar and keys and uh, a good friend of mine noah parnell played mandolin and accordion and then we had a percussionist so um my little girl is calling me uh one moment sure Waiting for a moment. Okay, I'm back. All is well. Great. Um. So, anyways, yeah, this other group I was in, the Thrift Knicks, we had a good little run, and um, it was definitely a different experience to be in sort of more like a full band, or at least with two other people, as opposed to just being in a duo with Vanessa. So, I don't know. As I say, like. Each situation is different. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, now we can talk about this as much as you want. I mean, throughout all these years, what I know when I was twenty-two, when we you were talking about your younger days back in school and stuff. Twenty-two, I was a fucking yeah. raging mess. I was fucking drunk. I was sticking needles in my arm. I was fucking doing just the worst kind of shit. And so by the time I was thirty, I was a useless person who called himself a musician but really i was just this useless fuck who just ruined people's gigs um because they they felt they could trust me for five minutes but they couldn't um so i'm just curious 
throughout all of this, and and I know that uh, you know you've recently gotten sober, and uh, fucking, I, I'm just curious because sobriety is a big thing to me, and uh, mental health is a big thing for me as well. Um, what what was going on these years leading up to you eventually stopping? Now, was it like a gradual thing that you had to stop, or was it just something casual? I, I mean, I'm just I'm curious. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, so yeah, I just as you mentioned, I just quit drinking a couple months ago. And congratulations, uh, man! It takes a lot. It takes a thanks. fucking lot. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I didn't particularly expect to quit drinking it just kind of um i don't know it happened and so <laughs> reflecting on it uh, <laughs> it does happen reflecting on it i suppose i suppose uh yeah as i got um in the last 10 years i gradually was drinking more and um realizing it but not particularly fighting it until it came to sort of a position of discomfort on so many levels to be just uh having it be so integrated into everything that i was doing that uh i don't know it was a lot bigger pain in the ass and it was actually fun anymore so i gave it up and um i uh it was interesting the first few gigs after i stopped drinking because you know by the time you're my age you know you're playing it's it's easier to get gigs in places that serve alcohol, obviously, and live musicians get free drinks, and so I definitely took advantage of that. It's not like uh, I'm really playing like ten million dollar gigs or anything, so I'm going <laughs> to take care, of, take take advantage of most of the perks. Right. So um, yeah, it has been it's been interesting lately playing without drinking. Um, it's possible. I've learned, and it's so fun, <laughs> it's and it's uh, probably sounding better to a lot of people. But I don't have a perfect way to compare the two. Well, I guess I'm just. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, the only way to compare is like, well, record me when I'm wasted, and then we'll record me yeah. when I'm sober. <laughs> Let's see what's better. Yeah. No. I'm, yeah. Uh, well, that, I'm, was yeah, other, what 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 kind of drunk? did you get were you a nice drunk because i was an asshole i i was i wasn't violent but i talked shit i would like just shit talk sure. everybody <laughs> well that would, it would probably depend on who you ask i mean <laughs> i don't i don't particularly think that i was an asshole violent drunk and i mean but you know i'm not gonna defend what kind of i don't know it, it it's a hard question because in my mind i was like fine but it dawned on me slowly through time that I was not fine. So I don't know. I can't even just, you know, just fresh in my sobriety. I can't even characterize what kind of drunk I was. For sure. Uh, and and, and, and I definitely had enough of a handful of friends and people in my life that it affected negatively. And so I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I always would have referred to myself as like a happy, nice drunk. But I know it wasn't the case all the time. So. I don't know. <laughs> um, what were were other drugs a factor as well, or no, no, not for me, not for you, thankfully. Yeah, no. Um, so your your sober moment. What what was your sober moment? If if you don't mind sharing, like what was oh, like, the what was like the moment what? that what was the moment where you're like, oh shit, I gotta not do this anymore. Uh huh. 
you know, like, um, I don't know, to get as personal as I'm going to get on the podcast, sure. it was a lot of just uh, timing, having enough time to go to a hospital and go to a facility for a couple of days and know that the other responsibilities in my life were sort of going to be taken care of as far as the people that depend on me and the things that depend on me for, I think that had been an excuse maybe for me for a while to not go dry out and not to just completely, you know, get off the sauce for a while. And so it was just, um, I don't know. I ultimately, I have to say it was like serendipity, you know, yeah. it, uh, it was, um, it almost felt like an unconscious decision, just like it had been such an unconscious decision to just keep drinking for so long. It was just sort of like, I don't know. It really wasn't this like epiphany and it wasn't just like the clouds partying and it wasn't like me rolling around broken and bruised and dirty in the street and getting hauled to jail. Like I'm fortunate. It was more just a decision to go check myself into the hospital and to go dry out. And from there, it's taken me, you know, to to here. And no, that, still, that, that's yeah, fantastic. Man. Still learning about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, three months. And 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 you know, when I think back to three months, you know, it, I was pretty raw at three months. And and especially mm-hmm. my my situation was like. I got sober, and then my dad died, and then my my wife, my dad died. I I got sober, dead dead dad, uh, fucking pregnant wife, found out I was going bald, just just turned thirty. Just <laughs> that is good. That was the last thing on the list, but it's in there. I understand. It's just like you know, I'm just like it, it was a it was a really for me personally. Like I was going through a lot, and I'm so thankful that I had to deal with what i had to deal with in even though it was raw as fuck but like i was sober and i was there and i was present and like that's like the that's a huge thing i mean like that's the hugest thing so now that you're now that you're three months out and um you know like what what do you how do you feel like what 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 are some of the things you're feeling uh how does it feel when you go to bars or in social situations like how how are you doing with all that um, I feel like I'm doing really good. Um, I don't know. I feel focused and I feel a lot more clear and I feel a lot healthier. You know, that's the thing about alcoholism is, um, it's like a progressive disease, as they say, it, uh, it creeps up on you, you know, and it's, uh, it's easy to just ignore certain things or to pretend that they aren't a big deal when you're addicted to alcohol and so it's just um i don't know there's there's a million different little things i could say about it but just in general i'm feeling healthier i'm sleeping better i have a better appetite i feel like i'm communicating more effectively and being generally more pleasant so when, when yeah, you, I don't I don't have anything to bitch about, you know. <laughs> right, right. It's like God damn it, I'm all like all sober. I don't have headaches, like uh-huh. my anxiety levels yeah. are way down. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. so mad. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. like I know so like after after I quit drinking, like what came about was this angry person, this like really angry person. Like I'm in therapy now, like I, I have like yeah. I have I have to do so there's so much 
to keep me <laughs> to keep me just level and say it just takes so yeah. much up uh, what was uh d- d- when you go out in social situations um now when you're sober do you do you have any kind of anxiety i mean what did you I mean, is that one of the reasons we were drinking was because of like you just were uncomfortable in your own skin, or like I'm just trying to figure out. You See, know. Um, yeah, um, I don't think that that that's particularly how I, I I I don't know. I'm not I'm I'm a fairly extroverted person to begin with, mm-hmm. like even before my drinking. But um, uh, shoot, that's. It's hard. I, I'm wrapping my mind around what I want to say about it. Um, going out into like my first like kind of fairly public social situations has actually been to play shows, and so in a way, maybe that's uh, because I had like a job to do. Mm-hmm. It's um, given me like focus for that situation, and it hasn't been too daunting because you know I was already all rehearsed for the show and um, there to do you know what I did while I was drinking too and then I've just really been hanging out with smaller groups of friends you know I don't I'm not really like in some uh I'm not in some social scene where there's like big raging parties anymore so it's not like how many children do you have I just have one five-year-old daughter oh you got five I got a six-year-old boy oh uh, right nice. on. yeah okay so so fuck it well, it's really not. No, and, and and I'm really serious, and I know that these questions are are hard, um, and and I appreciate you talking about. Them. I think it's really important to talk about, especially for musicians to hear. It's like, well, <clears throat> there's a life beyond drinking. There's a life beyond. You know, like it doesn't have to be just this. You know, you could be a, You know, you can be. You can be. You can be a a musician without chemicals you know what i mean this is basically yeah. what i try to stress I, you, early in the podcast yeah. i used to almost glorify my drunken heroin days but i was still working through shit and you know I, when i started podcast yeah. i was newly sober so like i was working through shit not knowing what the fuck and and now i look back at it as like yeah. you know these are I might glorify it, but I always would end it with like, well, you know, I don't suggest this for anybody. You know, this is honestly not a good yeah. way to live life. This is one way to do right. it. Not really mm-hmm. the best way. I mean, because really, it, it, I don't know. I think it's important. And I really do appreciate you sharing that part of your story because I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's hard. And I know you're in this like really fucked up space right now. Anyways, three months out. It's it's not easy. Um, after you stopped drinking, did you notice any like, uh, changes in your mood or your behavior or anything at all like that? Well, yeah. I mean, my mood became a lot more stable cause I wasn't like, uh, pumping vast quantities of depressant in it every day, you know, right. <laughs> and my sleep was better and, um, yeah. I'm eating better and, you know, so. Right. Right. Definitely. Right. I mean, I, I still, um, uh, you know. I still have all the kind of human emotions that you, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because at one point I feel like I was just now just like addressing, like as if everyone that was listening was like a daily drinker, but that's not necessarily true. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to say. There's been, there's been lots of positive changes. My mood is better. My head is more clear. 
Um, I'm telling you, man, just things mostly, are just going to get better. I, I mostly feel, I mostly feel a lot of gratitude just that, uh, yeah. for some, some reason I stopped, you know? Yeah. And so that's just kind of what I try to focus on. It's a grateful feeling, you know, I try not to get too hung up on how or why I got to where I was that wasn't so healthy. And, you know, I do need to process those things. And I do think about them, of course, a lot. But what I'm just trying to say is uh, I just try to focus on the gratitude at this point. That's, and that's 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 all you can do, man. You just hold on to just hold on to your pants, man. Just just you stick it. Yeah. Just stay in there because it's like I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> it's the fucking greatest thing I've ever done in my life. It's like my life started when I stopped drinking. Like like I really feel like, and I was thirty. I was thir- I already put in thirty yeah. years, <laughs> and like yeah. my life didn't truly begin until fucking like I stopped drinking. And was able to really focus, and I mean, like you're gonna, you're gonna love it, man. You're gonna fucking love it. I'm telling you, it's, it's like, it's the fucking greatest. Um, I, I still smoke like crazy amounts of weed, but <laughs> it's like, so I'm not like sober, sober. I'm just absent from alcohol and like hard yeah. drugs. But you know, it's like fucking. Um, I don't know, man. Like it, it's just like it's a. It's always a good day when a fucking musician gets clean to me because I feel like that's when it's going to be like, that's when you're going to hit your best. You know how like fucking some people think that yeah. like, I don't know, like, because you look at like great musicians like like Charlie Parker, who is this huge heroin addict. And like, they're like, right. oh man, you know, like fucking he, when he was high on heroin, that's when he was playing his best. And it's like, no, if you read the right. books and shit, like when he was high on heroin, he fucking sucked. <laughs> I mean, he could uh-huh. play and he could still do it, but he wasn't yeah. at his best. And so you right. just think about like where all these musicians would be, they would just stuck it out. And then there are some cases right. which are fucked up where fucking people get sober and their music sucks. <laughs> But like, uh, and I don't even know what the case is on that. But I, I can't even think of any cases of that. But I guess any like band left over from the sixties and seventies as their music, <laughs> like yeah. Robert Plant. I don't know. No, uh, you know what, Robert Jefferson Plant. Starship. Yeah, Jefferson Starship fell off hard. <laughs> a lot of these bands <laughs> fell off hard. I guess there's a lot of examples. Yeah. Anyway, so so what are you working on now, man? Yeah, so uh, my drummer and I uh, been playing out for about a year and a half as a duo just going by our names Ruben Ryan and Joe Patton but we decided to um, start calling ourselves the Folk and Rollers and we recorded an album live about 10 four months ago and we've been working on that mix so it's called Ghost Town and uh, within a few months here it should be up on all the main little platforms you know iTunes and Amazon and YouTube and Spotify. So, are you going the to folk and rollers? Uh, are you going to be? Uh, no, I, you just sent me some of the songs. I got to listen to them. No, um, are are they going to be stripped down? Is just be gonna be you and him, or are you planning on adding any other instrumentation? <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna for for this album. We're just leaving it, Joe and I. Right uh, on. The main idea is to just kind of have something start circulating, get out there, so that. Uh, you know, we can start playing out a little more. Most, I mean, um, trying to get gigs, just walking into places, it's nice to have something they can listen to. So Absolutely. that's the main idea behind the thing. And it takes so long to mix and record nowadays that where Joe and I are at, we really 
just kind of need to get get a little something out there for people to get a little taste. <laughs> get a little taste. Uh, well, mm-hmm. you sent me a couple songs. Uh, I, I, which song should I play? I, I'd like to play a song, if you don't mind. Is that okay? I'm trying to remember which one did you have. Uh, yeah, you sent you me any, on, uh, any Other Way, Blood, Feathers, and Sand, and Ghost Town. Yeah, well, um, why don't we give the world to Any Other Way? Any other way. Okay, so we're going to listen to... Why don't you introduce this for us? Because uh, I, 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 I'll i get your name wrong or something. I'm going to get something wrong. So please, introduce this song for us, Ruben. All right, this is... Uh, wouldn't have it any other way from the upcoming album Ghost Town by the Folk and Rollers.
penitentiary back thank you very much i thank you for playing that and sending over i know they're not mixed or mastered yet so um but i appreciate you sending mixed over. a little bit oh okay my bad my bit. bad i gotta I, give I, jonas some credit <laughs> so yeah this is the time before i forget i should just please mention that it's a good friend uh doing the mixing and recording his name is jonas swagger of swagger studios and he's been real supportive to joe and i through the years we've been working with him so Shout out to Jonas Swagger. Hey. Uh, now, what? So, tell me about uh, any other way. What? What's this song about? What does it mean to you? Um. So I mean, sometimes when I sit down to write a song, I just kind of pull lines out of outer space. You know, it's like um, I sit down to write a song, and um, I don't necessarily always like know what that song is going to be about or have a melody or have a theme or anything. Sometimes, you know, just one rhyme will lead to another one idea will lead to another. And so, yeah, I don't necessarily have a summation (laughs) of the song. I think it was where I was at. at the time when I wrote it covers a lot of different topics, but um, what it's trying to say is that, you know, going through ups and downs, but, I'm grateful for what I have. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's it's classic, baby. I love it. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's classic, man. I mean it's a classic story, man. Uh, for for this, uh, how many how many tracks are gonna be on this album? Ten, I believe, is the. And you guys the, did, uh, and you guys did a live yeah. recording of this. You, it was like all it was all done yeah. at once. Correct. Yeah, yeah. we uh. You know, we practice first, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so, Ruben. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope you weren't just like showing up at the studio, like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. we'll just make it up as we go. <laughs> just hit record, yeah. baby. We're doing this shit, right? Uh, uh-huh. Right on, man. And well, that's exciting. Uh, what are, what's your plans with the album? Are you uh, are you trying to do uh, tours? Are you just just want something to present to play local shows? What what are you looking to do with this? Yeah, so I guess uh, my Joe and I both, um, you know, work and have families, and so we're not in a position right this second to go on tour, but we definitely are interested in expanding the geographical territory in which we've been gigging. And my sort of just uh, my little 
scheme or whatever. It's just like from where I'm posted up in Northeast Indiana, there's like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 college towns within three hours I can drive to and just kind of hit the spots that I think would be good venues for us and leave an album with the person that does the booking and see what splashes out. You know, she, Joe and my music plays better to sort of like a, a brewery crowd or like a winery crowd or some kind of like a freaking artisan cheese shop or something. We're not really going to be such a big pull for more like young late night mod rockers or anything. So (laughs) I guess that that's the idea for me is to kind of like go to towns like Bloomington, Muncie, Fort Wayne, Toledo, and just kind of find yeah. the spots that I think would be appropriate and draw the kind of folks that would probably be into what we play. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. So, uh, wait, what are, uh, what are some, uh, what is a seminal album for you? Like where, where like you, you heard the album and, and, and I know, and it could be more than one. It doesn't have to be one, but what is, what is like sure. a seminal album where like you listen to it and it like just fucking blew the fucking the gates off your brain and you're sure. just like oh my god you could do anything with music. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, so until you said you could do anything with music, I was going to say this one, but then that for some reason threw me off track because this album was so like beyond what I felt like I could do or was doing. And it, it wasn't so much because it was so complicated, just it was like so fucking pure. But I'm, so the the album that popped into my mind that was really influential, and you know, I've been influenced by a lot of different genres. So if you go listen to the album I just recorded, you won't necessarily hear this influence so strong. But uh, there was one the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band did called Will the Circle Be Unbroken back in the 60s where they... uh they brought in all these um, like early bluegrass singers and like folks that were really like important in the old time sort of um, early country music scene. And uh, you have this group of sort of um, younger hippie bluegrass enthusiasts called the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Got all these old folks together like Doc Watson and uh, Ma Carter and you know, they, they recorded some of these old classics and, um, I don't know, that was, that was a huge influence on me. You ever heard that? Will the circle be unbroken? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I was like, just now thinking, it's like, I'm going to go listen to that because that's awesome. And, and I like nitty gritty yeah. gear band. So yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, um, oh, yeah, ahead, please. So if you have an if album, you, if you have, what was the first one? What was the other one? What? I didn't, because you oh, said that was the first one that popped into my mind, but for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> well, you said you had one, and then I said, then I said, no, that, that was the one. Okay. That was that was the one. No way. Right. I mean, just another one that was really influential on me, and again, it's part of the same genre. And this genre isn't the only genre that's influenced me by any means. But when No Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack came out you know, in like 2002 or something like yes. that, that, that was just really that is a huge good for me. As that far was a, that as was like really... the roots of what's that? What's the name music. of that band though? That was like the house band of that album or whatever. There was like a band, right? Like there was like the band was already a band. 
And they did the music for that um, album. God damn it. So Or was I'm it was it various name artist? It was it was various. John Hartford was sort of like the the backbone of the album in its way because um he played fiddle on some of the main tracks. But you know, it was it was hodgepodge. You had Gillian Welch and um Allison Krauss and Emily Lou Harris singing as a trio on there and then you yeah. had I don't know. You did it. Yeah, there's a variety. It was great. But anyways, that sort of, you know, I grew up thinking I didn't like country music. You know what I'm saying? Because oh, uh, it was the soggy bottom boys, but that was the band in the in the movie. There you go. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. So in the film itself, right? Soggy bottom boys. But I thought you meant like a real band in real life. No, 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 no. Well, in my head, I thought there was a real band in real life, but I totally got the fucking thing. I got it all confused. You know what? (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) I interrupted your fucking... Please, please straighten me out. Tune me up here, Ruben. Tune me up. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, but that album is amazing. And fucking, uh, yeah, country music, I, I always thought was just some hillbilly dumb shit, but then... It kind of expands on you when you really get into it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the more of what I was saying is that growing up, you know, in the '90s, what they were calling country music was like, you know, pretty shitty pop music right. most of the time. Although that stuff nowadays is like music to my ears compared to right the the next. At any rate, no, no, no. I'll take Garth Brooks um, over fucking <laughs> one fucking Taylor Swift any fucking day. Right, exactly. But it's, I don't know, it's uh, back to that soundtrack. It, it just sort of, it really helped like old time music kind of cross into the mainstream. And so, well, I mean, at least at that moment, because it had done so already in the past. But I don't know. Props to the Cohen brothers. Yeah, they kill it, man. They fucking kill it. Um, they do. Are, uh, yeah, do you, have you read any good books or seen any good shows lately? Um, <laughs> I've been, I've been, um, these are the final questions, by the way, we're wrapping up here. These are just sort of like spitfire okay. <laughs> quickies. Yeah. I've, I've been reading different literature about not drinking. So yeah, I've been doing some reading, but, uh, <laughs> but as far as, as far as good shows, I just watched, uh, the new remake season of the twilight zone and that's, oh. uh, hosted by, what, is it Jordan Peele? Jordan That's, Peele, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's I don't know, it's dorky, but it's great. I don't know if you like the old Twilight. Oh, I now. love the old dude, the one with Burgess Meredith where he breaks his glasses and the banker, you know, and he fucking goes to the library. He's like, no, I can read forever and ever, and then he bends over to pick up a book. And his glasses fall off, and he has these big, thick bottle Coke bottle glasses, and they break, and he's like, oh no, uh-huh. no, I can't read shit. Mm-hmm. I loved Rod yeah. Sterling and how he would do those fucked up twists. <laughs> it's like, the, like he was like yeah. the king of that shit, man. No, I mm-hmm. love that. My dad used to fucking inundate me with fucking Twilight Zone and Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and like <laughs> just like any anything that's like just useless, <laughs> useless information that now I, well, I guess it's not useless for me for what I do now, but it's just he put so much dipshit shit in my head but 
I don't yeah. know why I'm calling it dipshit. Well, it, it's actually great. Yeah, it's all Twilight it's all great. Just, like I don't Twilight know why Zone is, is a little more provocative and thoughtful than some of that Three Stooges shit you were mentioning. <laughs> you're right that garb no my mom used to get really mad at my dad for letting me watch that shit because she was like he's gonna start beating people and then i did and i started yeah. beating people it was true slapstick man. but but i think that old. was that, i think that was other problems as a kid not right. the three stooges uh so so yeah. the twilight zone that's it's pretty good it, it, it does it hold up that's the real question yeah, well, you know, there's no comparing things to like the original classic. Of course, but, but the, it's still it's it's an admirable job they've done, and uh, I don't know. It's like um, I, I like some of these some of these shows where like each episode is a story unto itself. You know, oh, what I'm saying? like don't Black Mirror. Watch, absolutely. Yeah, I, I dig that because it's like it's like a vignette. It's like a I don't know. You can. It's it's refreshing to not have to remember forty seven storylines like in Game of Thrones. You know? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I feel you, man. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, what about that big ending? What'd you think of it? <laughs> man, I don't even know if I have enough room in my brain to I don't know. I've once I saw the big ending, I just like cleared away a lot of Game of Thrones that was in my head to make room for more Twilight Zone or something. Like, <laughs> You're like, all right, I don't. I'm done with no, that yeah. Shit. <laughs> it was just, and I think that's how it is. That's how it is with just consuming TV late at night. Like, I, it, it's relaxing. I enjoy it, but then like I just kind of hit the button and like it all just flies out in my ears. Isn't that so I'm weird? Save all that stuff. It's so weird. I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it's the same way for me, too. Like, I'll watch it. And, like, I'll yeah. seriously have just watched it yesterday. And I'll be like, I don't even know what the fuck that episode was about. <laughs> I, know. I, don't, I know. You know, like, I don't it's even like know. meditation. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's weird because it watching TV does, like, it lowers your brain from, like, the alpha waves into, like, the beta or whatever. It, like, literally lowers your brain function. In, sure. into the, the to a lower state of being that's the whole point yeah that's yeah the whole i mean point. turn it off right turn these fucking <laughs> yeah. things off like sometimes my thoughts well just no like, i'm i mean i mean more like i mean more like that's why i watch it late at night because i'm trying to like turn my brain right down. you're trying turn to turn your brain off yeah turn your fucking brain off I'm trying turn to, these yeah. thoughts off it, it's yeah. like it's be- it's better it's healthier to read a book before bed but you know for people that don't God bless him. It's okay. Yeah, who gives a fuck? I fucking grew up on TV, and look at me now. (laughs) I live with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Do you? I do. I do live with my mom. I live in my mom's house in fucking fucking Oregon, Ohio. Uh, Yeah, man. I I I live with my stepmother. Hey, we, hey, fucking God bless them. God bless the women in our lives who <laughs> stuck by us. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck it, Ruben. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your night to talk to little old me and uh, hang out with yeah, me for dude, a little bit, man. It was, yeah, it was fun. I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to seeing you here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, what? I should have had those dates ready because why? Why wouldn't we start talking about this shit? Why aren't we talking about this? I don't know. Um, let's see. What are those? It, it, are, are they in April or in May? What was I think in 
June. Okay, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to mispronounce her name. So you say it. Raina Raina Mystique. Okay, yeah. So Raina first is a big headline at the Earth Fest this year, and Earth Fest has been going on for like six years in the Angola area. And it's kind of similar to like my little brainchild I had back when I played that YMCA gig. Remember I said Mm -hmm. I had all the like little environmental people there. Right. Well, over the years, I mean, I was working with a student. I'm still working with a student group out of Trine university and it's been their baby. But, um, yeah, it's mushrooms in this cool thing where all the folks that are in different conservation environmental groups, come set up their booths and share what they're about and local artisans that, you know, have, um, maybe they have non-toxic candles that they make or they make their own pottery or, you know, um, they all come and are able to sell what they sell. And we have musicians and libations, food and call it earth fest. And so, yeah, she's playing that in April and then April 25th, the months, I think, yeah, and then in May, we'll have her there at the and first brewery in Angola, Chapman's Brewing Company, where I help coordinate a lot of shows. It's a fun little venue for more eclectic styles of music in the area. And, and it's great. It's wonderful that, you know, like, because it's always like, it's always nice when a small town, you know, facilitates some kind of arts, you know what I mean? Like just something. Yeah. It's nice. Like, well, it uh, takes some work, you know, it takes of course. human beings to make it. And especially people to just show up at the fucking shows. That's right. The thing, just, you know? just try to get people <laughs> off, off their asses, get them, yeah. tell them to turn off Netflix for five fucking minutes. Get down to Chapman's and start doing shit. That's right. So Chapman's, uh, Raina and I will be up there at on the 23rd of May, 2020, 7 to 9 p.m. Cool. And then EarthFest, of course, is April 25th at Buck Lake Ranch. And is that in Angola or is that outside of Angola? Yeah, that's in Angola. Buck mm-hmm. Lake is kind of a historic venue. It was known as the... Nashville of the Midwest, I think, back in like the fifties, and we had all kinds of folks like Hank Williams played there, and Elvis, and Willie Nelson, Dolly Parton, all these folks that were on their way from like Nashville, Tennessee, up to like Chicago, would stop and play shows here. Yeah. And it's having a bit of a resurgence the last couple of years. There's a new owner, and there's been some really awesome festivals there. Uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to having it there this year. Well, that's awesome, man. It's great to see. Um... I love seeing that. That's the one thing I love about seeing like like little towns like developing the art scene, developing things, just being able to do that. Um, there's this cool little town in Montana that I just fucking love. It's called Missoula. It's just the cutest little art little town. Like it's just a bunch of hippies in the middle of fucking Montana. <laughs> it's like sure. they decide to start this little town, and uh, it, it's really cool, man. It's fucking I love those little towns, man. All right, Ruben. Well, I appreciate it, and you have a wonderful evening. And I will fucking you too, I will ta- I will see me. you soon. Oh, of course, it was my pleasure. Yes, sir. Right. All on. right. Have a great night, man. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. I truly 
appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Uh, we get a little personal on the show, so uh, I do I do truly appreciate guests who sort of roll with that. Go to RainaMystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Check out the latest release, Lyrical Drive-By, which is a collaboration between Raina Mystique and Conscious in the Co-op. I am also in there. <laughs> I play keys on this track. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we we love the singles. We're doing something new. Uh, we're releasing a single every month of the year 2020. And uh, February was Lyrical Drive-By. So we're going to be releasing unreleased, old material, new material, and just all kinds of stuff. So stay tuned for that. Follow Raina Mystique at Raina, R-E-I-N-A underscore Mystique, M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E uh, um, on Instagram. She'll update you or go to RainaMystique.com. Uh, you can also click on the Experience tab to find out where me and my lovely wife will be playing next. The next thing on the calendar is at Mad Anthony's in Waterville, Ohio. Uh, what is that? Or is it White House? I think it's in White House. Uh, but it's Mad Anthony's, and uh, that is Saturday, March 21st, 2020. So if you are in the Toledo area and want to check that out, come and get some, baby. Uh, <laughs> go to wespeakenglishgood.com. Check out that. Uh, we're going to be expanding that. If you didn't hear on the top of the show, I'm going to be expanding the website into a whole media thing. So that's whenever that happens. I, I have to talk about it, so it forces me to actually do something. But if I keep these ideas in my head, it's like if I don't tell anybody my ideas, they won't pressure me to do them. Because sometimes I have good ideas that I just don't feel like doing <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, like, subscribe, review. Like us on Instagram at We Speak English Good or on Facebook by the same name. Subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, uh, Podomatic, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to us and please do leave a review anywhere you listen to your podcast. Uh, one to five stars is great with me, whatever you want. Uh, and uh, a written review, reach out to us on uh, on social media or write the show at we speak English good at gmail.com and I will read your comments. Uh, your emails, your reviews, anything really. I'll just read it on, on, on air. Unless you tell me not to. And then I won't. Also, found out that I was ranked 82nd music podcast in the world. 82nd. That was my highest ranking. I'm currently at 126. Up 55, though. I'm up 55, so... Uh, I was in the top 100 music podcast of the world. I don't know. Okay, so not that that's anything to brag about, but it, it's fun. You know, I have some contemporary music podcast, um, you know, uh, contemporaries uh, that aren't even in the top 300. Okay, so how about that? And my podcast is ranked higher than Justin Bieber's. Which, I don't know if it's actually Justin Bieber's podcast, but I'm just going to say it's Justin Bieber's personal podcast is doing worse than my podcast. <laughs> We're just going with that. But, 
What is interesting is that my podcast is doing better than Dave Pensado's podcast, which is really weird because Dave Pensado is... Okay, let me just stop right here. Dave Pensado is a uh, an engineer. He's like a superstar engineer. He's mixed and mastered some of the greatest songs that you'll ever know of. Um, he's not very well known, you know, in the mainstream of music because, well, no one wants to see a big fat white guy mixing and mastering, you know. On a uh, at, at Madison Square Gardens, you know, <laughs> like no one's interested in watching him master mix and master, you know, Jill Scott's latest, of, uh, you know, at the at the O2 Center in London, you know, no one's gathering in big arenas to see Dave Pensado mix and master fucking Garth Brooks's new uh, single. So, anyways, that's fun. I thought I'd share some news with you. Um, today I'm slated to interview Nissan Stewart, which has me kind of scared shitless because, um, well, Nissan has worked with, uh, Timbaland. Um, he's worked with Aaliyah. He's worked with so much more that I can't even, I, I can't even remember all the people because I, uh, well, I'm a burnout and, uh. That's what happens. But he's also a part. He's a Grammy-winning drummer. He's a. I mean, he's an amazing drummer. First of all, um, he's well known in the uh, the gospel circuit. So um, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of credits. I'm just looking at him right now. Um, let's just see. We got Loose Natalie Furtado. He's worked with Missy Elliott. As a composer and a producer, uh, he's worked with Patti LaBelle, Angie Stone, um, Soul Seekers, the original Soul Seekers. He's a member. That's who he's a part of is the Soul Seekers. He's a, he's the drummer for the Soul Seekers. Uh, Aaliyah, obviously. New Edition, Madonna, Beyonce, Mariah Carey, uh, Party Time Karaoke. <laughs> Anyways, his uh, his credit list goes on and on and on. I mean, he's a fantastic producer, composer, drummer, and uh, I'm talking to him today, so I'm a little nervous. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym try to work out some of this anxiety. So I'm going to let you guys go. You guys be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. And um, I'll see you guys next week with Matt Smith is returning to the podcast. And, uh, and then following that episode will be Nissan Stewart. Hopefully. We still have to record it. So don't hold me to it. But he uh, confirmed yesterday. He gave me his contact information. So either way, I'm calling him today. Whether or not we record it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye. Fresh.